This episode of the Coin World Podcast is sponsored by Amos Advantage. Looking to see your collection in greater detail? Check out the wide selection of Carson magnifying products and microscopes available at amosadvantage.com. Count on Carson to bring you truly innovative, high-quality optics at extraordinary value. And count on Amos Advantage for all your coin collecting supply needs. Visit amosadvantage.com to explore our inventory. Would you like to sponsor the Coin World podcast? If so, contact your Coin World sales representative or email Brian Hertel at b h e r t e l at amosmedia.com. The email is in the show notes as well. Affordable rates and multi-episode discounts are available. Contact us today to sponsor the Coin World podcast. Welcome to the Coin World podcast. With your host, Jeff Stark. As I've said from day one of this show, this is a big tent hobby. There's a lot of room for folks. And Larry Jewett. And learning has been such a tremendous amount of this journey. The Coin World Podcast. We're so glad you're back here. Join us once again on the Coin World Podcast. I'm Larry Jewett. And I'm Jeff Stark. And we are so happy to be here because we're always happy to be here. I don't know why I keep saying that. It seems like every time I just try to jump in there and not let you finish your thoughts just because I want to tell the world how happy I am. But I'm even happier today. Thanks to the folks from Amos Advantage, the shipment did arrive. I'm really pleased with my new toys. And uh, so I'm going to be playing about them a little bit more. And we'll tell you about, more about that a little bit later on. But uh Jeff, I want to welcome you back in. I know it's been, uh, you had to do some traveling, had to run around a little bit, but now you're settled back into the home studio here, and uh, we're looking forward to this episode. Yeah, it's fun because we had a bunch of fun at the fun show in Florida. That's the Florida United Numismatist show, and uh, that's your home turf, sort of, and uh, I got to go for only the second time. But uh, we're going to talk about our experience there at the show. We're also going to talk about, uh, gosh, we have such a neat story. Uh, Found out about this thanks to social media. We know all about using rings to make a proposal to somebody. But we talked to a collector and his now fiance and figure out how coins play into his proposal to her. It's quite a story, quite fun. We always have fun. It goes without saying, but you know, some people in this hobby, you know, you walk around the show and and these, these folks are just sitting there behind the tables with that grumpy look and you know, don't want to talk to you and don't, you know, they're it's like why are you here if you're miserable? This is supposed to be fun. If you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. And it looked like most of them were indeed having fun because this is a situation, as you mentioned, it was your second one, but I believe it was your first summer fun, if I'm not mistaken. So it was a little bit of a different dynamic for you to experience this time. Oh, yeah. I mean, a smaller event, about half as big as the winter fun, which was really the last American coin show, big American coin show that I attended. Uh, That was in January 2020. Well, I take that back. I was at the New York International uh, the next weekend, so or the week after that. So it's been a long time anyway, and uh, it's a little smaller, like I say, but uh, and a little warmer. And I know that was a concern for a lot of the dealers on setup, but uh, they got through it and everybody... I had a good time. I think everybody we talked to, everybody we saw 
was just, uh, you know, gobsmacked by the retail showing. Uh, the crowds were active. There was a buzz. We saw a lot of folks, even families. You may have missed it, but even at four o'clock, three thirty on Saturday, there were people coming up to the Coin World booth with their young numismatist doing the YN trivia game and coin rolls booth was a stop along that trail. And, you know, the end of the coin show is, you know, a lot, half of the folks are gone by then. There was still a good, good showing. And by golly, there was uh, people were buying until the end. And if it had, it had gone on two more hours, there would have been people buying even then it was, uh, it was just, it's such a hot market right now. Yeah, definitely so. And I mean, you talk about it was a little smaller than what you expect for the winter. But the idea is this is the first big show we've seen. Now, Pennsylvania had a few shows, one back in October, one earlier this year. But this is the first show that uh, you kind of want to get back to the so-called new normal. And there was a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of anticipation of this one. And I really believe that any of the expectations that uh, folks may have had were at least achieved, if not maybe exceeded, because of the substantial turnout, because of the substantial amount of businesses being done, because of the work that was put into it and all the preparation that was made and the sacrifice that was made by the uh, movers and shakers within the, uh, the fun organization. It was just great all the way around. I mean, just the atmosphere when you first walked in, you know, it wasn't dark, it wasn't gloomy, it wasn't anything like that. There was a definite energy no matter which one of the aisles you went down to. And I was really, especially when you were talking about the YNs and the trivia contests that they have, it was also on the last day Saturday where they had the special session with the Scouts and the Merit Badge program. And it was great to see a bunch of uh, kids out there and their parents, you know, the Stigma is that we're all 60 and older, and some of us are, but uh, there were still folks in their middle 40s and in their late 30s that had their youngsters there. And maybe it was because of their youngsters, but we had a chance to sit out in the uh, in the common area in the eating area with a lady who had her two sons there, and she was just as enthused to be there as the two boys were. And she wasn't going to get a merit badge or anything. She was just there because she wanted to go see the coins. That's what she was there for. And that's really neat right there. I mean, sometimes you just hear this stuff, not necessarily on the board's floor, but, you know, in the areas around there, in registration areas, which they did a great job with the temperature checks and with the format that they had to go through and the extra steps that they had to take. Security made sure that everybody was, you know, out of the, that didn't need to be there. I tried to get in early and they said no to me. Uh, they must not know who I am or the fact that I know you. But the idea was I couldn't get in early. That's why they let you. <laughs> Probably. They, they, they stopped you. No, That's why I they mean, stopped you. you I know? mean, but overall, you can't really say much negative about it. It was just such a great experience that you just had the opportunity to uh, really get out there and get it. I mean, I'm pumped up about the shows yet to come. I mean, I know we're going to Rosemont here in a couple of weeks, so I'm just really getting ready for that. And I think this this set the groundwork for it. Not that it was intended to be, you know, the opening act for a headliner. It was a clearly headliner in its own way. We've already started laying the groundwork. Uh, we're going to have a great A&A show and shoot before now and then or between now and then. I have the Missouri Numismatic Society show, so it's shaping up to be a hot summer, uh, at least numismatically speaking. 
the market's on fire and uh, we keep finding some cool stories and it's just, we're just having a blast. And that was another thing about this too. The idea that this show, you, whatever you were looking for, it was there. I mean, I really, really got it. I mean, we're talking, we can talk about the educational exhibits and the things that I learned just by going through the educational exhibits, the things I learned just by talking one-on-one with the dealers and getting a chance to go through and seeing the items that they had there, because there was a great variety. I was kind of surprised how many currency people were there. I didn't expect that to be near as many, but uh, certainly there were a fair amount. There was a good representation in that. Some of the shows I've been to previous had a lot of things that weren't coins. There were a few things that weren't coins there, but uh, you know, it was just the idea that you could find what you were looking for. And I'm talking about the world. I saw a lot of folks that call other nations home. Uh, a lot of South a- South American, Central American, uh, had a lot of people come up while I was sitting at a certain booth representing Cuba. And, you know, that's, that's Florida. You expect some of that too. But just the idea that this became a world showcase in the shadow of Disney World and at the Orange County Convention Center, you could go on and on and on about it. But, you know, getting into some of the specifics, having a chance to get that one-on-one time with the dealers, to see folks in the aisle way, to see what's going on, hear how their collections are coming, and, and getting to know people a little better. One of the things about the pandemic, we've all stayed in touch through social media, that sometimes you need that face-to-face. And we were able to get that at a safe distance, of course, but we were able to get that face-to-face. And that's, that's really good, too. And really buoys up the confidence that you have going in. Above all else, we had a lot of folks that are interested in becoming future guests on the podcast, thanks to your work on Thursday. So I got to thank you for that. You're making the job of booking guests a little easy. I'm excited about some of the folks that we've got committed coming up, and I think our listeners will be too. My goodness, we're going to have a blast talking to these folks. And I mean, heck, we did at the show. And just stay tuned, as they say. We don't. I don't want to tip our hands too much, but we're excited. It's just things, you know, things are looking up. I mean, I, I will say I, I wore my mask on the plane and, and around, took it off in the convention hall like almost everyone else. But I still came back with a cold, so uh, sorry for that uh, sounding a little off today. You know, maybe I should have kept it on. Uh, who knows? But uh, it because there was there was a lot of people in there. It was it was hopping, and uh, it's only going to be bigger and better in about a month. Oh yeah, definitely so. But uh, you know, we talked about the the folks that have signed up to be a part of it. If we didn't happen to see you at fun or you have an idea and you want to join us, certainly uh, drop us a line because uh, we'll be more than happy to consider some of the ideas that you may have. Or even if you choose not to be the guest, maybe you can give us a good idea of something that is on people's minds. One of the moments I had at the fun show, I encountered both uh, Jeff Garrett and his wife and uh, talked to Jeff because Jeff had just taught an eye appeal class that I'd just taken through the ANA. And uh, it was just great to get, you know, that face to face and talk about this and the different things and how the show was going for him over in the 700 aisle and, and that. But now, you know, it's another contact that you make because these folks are all here. We're all part of the same community. Yeah, we're in business together. Yeah, there's competition. I get that. That's just the nature of the beast. But we all have this thing, especially from our end of it. We want to make sure that we make the experience as much as we can a happy, positive experience. And 
later on we're going to be talking about, as we mentioned, oftentimes these coins are just objects. They're the objects of our collection, objects of our desire. But there's also the human element. And by being back in these shows, we got a chance to get that human element, to catch up with the folks that maybe Facebook and Instagram and all that doesn't necessarily tell the full story, but we could spend some time, perhaps even break some bread. And it, it's great that way. So, I mean, I, I'm encouraging everybody. It doesn't have to be to the magnitude of the uh, show we just attended. I'm encouraging everybody. And I'm hearing that some of the clubs are beginning to go back to face-to-face meetings. Don't forget that the reason why you got into this is because some of the folks can help you learn along the way, some of the mentors that are out there, some of the ways we can benefit from it, some of the opportunities that you can have from the guest speakers. Don't forget that because the coin clubs can be the heart and soul of what's necessary. You can do your part. You can be as active as you can. Like any organizations, you'll find that there is a small percentage of the people who are the active movers and shakers. But it's that small percentage of the people that help get things done. And I'm sure I don't know the numbers for what the uh, organization that put this show on has as far as membership count. But the people that put it all together, I mean, you got to give a shout out to Bob Russell for what he did and helping us out. Mark Leiterman, who's just been, he's a past president of the organization, just been elected to the ANA Board of Governors, had a chance to meet him. Cindy Wibker, who's done a great amount of the, uh, the work necessary. I mean, that's just some of the people that you see the names of. But there are some people here, the young people that were part of the pages, they were helping out uh, by cleaning the cases, the people who were taking the temperatures. I mean, it takes so many people to make this all happen. And, uh, you know, depending upon your inclination, you don't be a joiner just to join. Be a joiner to be an active part. And I encourage anyone to get involved with their local coin clubs, which is, in my opinion, the backbone of this hobby. Oh, yeah. You said something about breaking bread, I would say, or have tacos. It was a delight to uh, have, <laughs> have dinner with you and, and your wife and uh, finally meet face-to-face. My gosh. And I think you even managed to uh, add a few items to your collection. And I know I added a few thousand, I mean, hundred items. And uh, gosh, they're addictive. It's addictive. There's always something fun to learn, to buy, you know, see. Well, I mean, because it is universal, because some of the dealers I talked to told me how much they sold, but how much they spent replenishing their supply. So I know that we bought a lot of what we were looking for, and even a few things we weren't necessarily looking for, but our want list didn't get any smaller. We found a lot more items that uh, we're going to be in search of, and we're going to be able to find some of these at some of the local shows, and uh, hopefully we're going to continue to enhance that. I had some folks that couldn't make it over for the weekend. And they're going to get the full report uh, later on so that we can get them to be on the lookout for us as well. So what was your the favorite purchase you made? I think the favorite purchase I made is the pending uh, enrollment in my wife in the ANA. I really think that's going to be uh, the favorite purpose, thanks to John and Nancy Wilson for uh, stepping up on that one. But the actual uh, tangible, I mean, I got a couple of uh, the Australian pennies from the 40s. I mean, I already had a few of them. Uh, well, actually, one from 38, one from 42. And I just love, I've always loved kangaroos all my life. And it's just, you know. Yes, you have. Are, yes, these are not valuable coins. I, this is not my retirement fund. That wasn't my purpose for being there. I buy a lot of these coins because I like the way they look. I like the shapes. I like uh, some of the stories behind them. 
So, you know, storytelling that we're going to be doing a little bit later on, storytelling is a big part to me as well. And Michelle feels the same way as she was going through lots of coins, uh, thanks to George Watson. Appreciate that. And also to Commonwealth Coins for the job that they did helping us out with that one. Give them a couple shout outs. There. Oh, yeah. I, okay. I I loaded up there and one of the, I got three examples of blazing red. I think 1964, Australia penny with the kangaroo. And mm-hmm. when, you know, there were a buck each and it's like, I, you can't go wrong at that price. They're just gorgeous coins. And, you know, who doesn't love kangaroos? And again, it's, you know, about the size of a U.S. half dollar. So you can't go wrong. Yeah. Well, the first purchase Michelle actually made was from uh, David Lasso's booth and she found a pin that she wanted to, to buy. And uh, she asked to get the pin and Debbie took it out. And uh, the lady who was standing there writing, hey, I wanted that. Well, it turns out there were two of them. So it just, <laughs> uh, it all worked out. But I mean, it was just great. And, you know, it was understanding that we were there to do a, a purchasing. We were there to think about some of our needs. We were there to make connections and make contacts. And we certainly did that. I mean, it was a definite plus for us. I mean, Coin World and Coin World Plus, definite plus as far as I'm concerned. But I appreciate the time that you spent with me personally to get me around to help me uh, get a little more ingrained into this. And uh, it, it's great to know that, you know, again, it's we help each other. And it's really appreciated. So I'm looking forward to continuing on this journey. This was just the first step, but it was a big step. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what uh, was a big step for U.S. numismatic history? Uh, it happened this week back in 1794. How's, how's that transition? Yeah, there uh, you go. July 18, 1794 was the first deposit of silver at the U.S. Mint in Philadelphia for coinage. So you can't have coins without metal. And that was, uh, you know, that was the centerpiece of the coinage production, the thing that got it rolling. And it was also interesting on that day, years later, decades later, ground was broken for the Carson City Mint in 1866. Of course, we learned all about the Carson City coinage thanks to Rusty Go a few months ago. But those are big, big things in numismatic history. And, you know, that's what jumped out at me. I know I love looking back and seeing what was happening when and and sort of getting a context for it. And uh, so that's the deal on the history side of it. We're going to look into coin world history. And what issue are we looking at right now? It's not 1790s. I know that for sure. Um, <laughs> I, I think let's just, uh, if you got the library right there, I'm going to give you a second to look for it. You know, 2006, because we were talking about the 15 years ago is when the summer show started for fun. So let's just go and dig into 2006. Let's get, get stay in the 21st century now. So, yeah, we're going to go to the July 10 issue to see what was happening it was kind of a kind of a fun thing kind of a big deal you know there's gold buffalo on the cover and that's because the designs for the american buffalo gold coins had just been unveiled at the ceremony for the coins that it seems like we've had the buffalo american buffalo gold coins for as long as i've been at coin world but it was it wasn't that long but it was almost as long uh, july 10 2006 you have the paul's story about the west point unveiling and of course um you know that's a popular 
design the Indian or Native American and the buffalo. And this was, you know, the four nines fine. That's nine, 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 nine fine gold $50 coin. It's one of those, it's a bullion coin, but boy, um, in this market, I believe the value for it is, has surpassed the, uh, the bullion inside of it. In fact, the popularity of them, there was a story inside about how sales had just taken off in, in the first few days and uh, jamming the mint order lines back when, you know, you had, you had to call in to place your order with the mint. Well, you could use the website then, but it was not quite as <laughs> advanced as today. However, uh, look at how far we've come. Now we have sellouts in seven minutes or 10 minutes or five minutes or whatever. The more things change, the more they stay the same. People scrambling to get new products from the mint, uh, trying to act fast to make sure they get what they want. What by chance stood out to you in the letters page? Well, there's going to be a couple of things, and one of them is going to be talking about designs of coins of the U.S. Mint. And this letter starts off with, I've read a lot about the U.S. Mint wanting to modernize the classic Liberty designs for the Jefferson presidency first spouse coins next year, keeping in mind this was from 2006. The letter continues, the 1808 draped bus quarter eagle is my favorite design, and I would not want to see it modernized unless it would definitely be used on our dime, quarter dollar, or half dollar, along with the eagle reverse from the 1808 quarter eagle. If they want to do something collectors would really appreciate, fix the American eagle silver and gold bullion coins they ruined back in 1986. His suggestion continues, for the gold, use the original St. Gaudens obverse and put the date, 2007, and the mint mark where they belong using the original Flying Eagle design on the reverse. For the Silver American Eagles, use the original Eagle on the reverse, put the mint mark back on the obverse, and widen the rims on the obverse reverse. Don't hold your breath, however. They either can't or they won't do this for us. That was Robert Maxey of Baltimore. Well, changes are coming. Now, this one here, I'm going to read the letter, even though I'm going to use a word that's going to... Uh, put the nails on the chalkboard effect onto you because I know you don't like the word being used, but it's going to get used anyway. And that is F-O-R-E-I-G-N. My move to a retirement community forces me to dispose of a large number or large collection of foreign coins. I would like to give these coins to some organization for distribution to new and prospective collectors. Two local coin clubs have expressed an interest, but they don't have the 501c3 tax status that needs to qualify the contribution of these coins as a tax deduction. The ANA has indicated they have no interest in such a project. I have run out of ideas, and then the gentleman gives his address for people to give him ideas. And that was Dick Schubert out of Edgewater, Colorado. Hopefully it had a happy ending on that one, but uh, certainly some appreciation for the world coin given at that time, as this gentleman was hoping to see them go to a place where they'd be appreciated. I appreciate him. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, the word foreign is, is sort of a pejorative. And so I think, you know, international coin is such is somewhere inviting and uh, language matters and, and how we frame, how we talk about 
things matter. So I don't say they're foreign coins. I say they're world coins or international coins. That's my hobby horse uh, about the hobby. And, um, you know, it is what it is. But uh, Well, see, there, I can defend that because a world coin is a world coin no matter where you are. A foreign coin becomes a foreign coin if you're not in the country where it was minted. For example, a U.S. quarter dollar is a foreign coin in a European country. But it's a world coin all the time. If you don't label it, and it's all about the labels here, if you don't label it as anything other than a world coin, it doesn't change, doesn't matter where you are. The world is more encompassing, all-encompassing, so... Yes, and we're allowed to live in it. Yes, okay. Indeed. So, uh, and I got a lot of world coins at the show. <laughs> yeah, that's what that was our purpose. Yeah, that's what we got too. But speaking of the world, how's the world of trivia these days? So, you know, last week we were talking about grading services, uh, I seem to recall. I wanted to know a real interesting question. It revolved around Annex. That's a grading firm. This is sort of an easy question, I think. Do you know what the word annex stands for? Yes, I do. The anagram stands for. And the reason being is because it, it's, it's more than just grading. It's certification becomes the key point here. Because it is a spinoff of the American Numismatic Association that makes up the ANA, the CS standing for Certification Service. That's what it is. ANACS is American Numismatic Association Certification Service. You are correct. It was uh, founded by the National Hobby Organization, later sold to Amos Press, the progenitor, the forerunner to Amos Media Company that's bringing you this podcast and AmosAdvantage.com and CoinWorld and the Scott Stamp Catalogs and so many other fine products. Uh, and Amos sold it to private investors, gosh, around 2004, 5, 6, somewhere in there. Uh, I was a young staffer at the time, but I do know that that happened around that time. And it has been privately held since then still very active. They go to a lot of shows, a lot of smaller shows. They have representatives all over the country, very much active, and they'll often slab things that other services won't uh, because they have the expertise. You know, they just don't, maybe they don't have the volume that some of the others have, so you can get uh, more detailed attribution, that kind of thing. They are certainly active out there. So, we talk about a Russian coin today with our interview guest, plural. There's three of them. And so I'm just asking a basic question about uh, a modern Russian coin, just because it's one of my favorites. It's, um, it's a pretty coin. And Russia has issued some coins that depict a ballerina on them. This is a famous series, and they're different sizes, what metal are these coins in? And this is one of the world's first coins in this metal. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's not your silver or gold, but what other metal could it be? M-E-T-A-L, not M-E-D-A-L. So this is very basic level question, certainly for somebody who's tuned into and pays attention to world coins. 
uh, but the concept of this coin may be foreign to you. So who knows? Think about that as you listen to this great interview as we explore how a world coin played an important role in a most auspicious and important event in the life of two people down in Florida. Odds are, if you're listening to this podcast, you love coins. But what happens when you use coins to represent love? Well, that's the story today. We are so thrilled to have Alex Harris and Elizabeth Dittman with us. And they have a fun story about a gold Russian coin and a significant milestone in, I would say, in both of their lives. And it was something that was shared in social media. And we thought it would be perfect for the listeners of the Coin World podcast to hear all about it because we all love coins, but this is a different kind of love being conveyed through coins. Thank you so much for being here today. You're welcome, Jeff. So let's go back to the post you made on Facebook uh, last week. You recently got engaged, Alex, to Elizabeth. You asked and she said yes. She did. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. How how long have you been dating? Uh, we've been dating almost about two years now. Awesome. And uh, you're down in Florida. But what really sounded fun with this is you had a non-conventional way to propose, and that was with a coin. What coin did you use? So the coin I used was an 1866 Russian five ruple. The reason why I use this coin is because when we first started talking, we exchanged books because we both like to read. And at the time, I was reading Crime and Punishment. And so I gave that book to her, and she really liked the book. And for the longest time, she's wanted a coin from the book itself, either a Rupal or Kopeck. No, I wanted the Rupal. <laughs> <laughs> she has exquisite taste, Alex. Yes. The book was written in 1866 by the Russian author Dostoevsky. Yes, yes. I was, I was having a lot of trouble finding it, and I was like, can we do a 67? Can we do like a 65? And she's like, no, it has to be a 66. And so all along this idea, Elizabeth, was you just wanted a coin from the book because it was something connected and you appreciated the book. Did you ever anticipate it would be used in place of uh, the traditional engagement ring? No, never. I know it's probably stereotypical to say that a lot of women, you know, they think about their wedding and their, you know, there's all these stories of engagements that go viral. How was the coin presented? How Walk us through, retell us the, the magical moment where Alex popped the question. So we went to a restaurant called Fleming's where we went for our first like real date and we actually had the same waitress and so we eat we have wine we have steak we have lava cake and then we're sitting in one of those corner booths and so he slides over and he talks about how we've talked about marriage we've talked about rings and then he said i'm going to do something really untraditional and so he pulled the coin out of his coat pocket and he asked me to marry him and the immediate reaction was yes. jumping up and down. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't want him to make a big scene. So he didn't like get on a knee or anything. And I was just thrilled, honestly. 
That sounds so cool. Now, you know, it's often, I guess, you know, stereotypical that, you know, the woman shows off the ring and all that. And, you know, like just sorts of, you know, sort of magically makes the ring appear in a photo. How do you how do you display your engagement coin? Well, when I told all my friends and family, I the ones in person, I showed them, obviously, and then I sent them a picture of it as well. And, and what's their reaction been? All my friends think it's, well, in their own words, super sick. Super sick. I love it. Uh, yeah. it. This coin is in a slab, right? It's in a plastic holder? Yes, it is. Okay. And so you're, you're not going to crack that out and put it in jewelry or anything? Oh, no, no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Now, as I understand it, you have a coin connection or coin collecting connection with Alex as well. This is sort of Alex returning the favor because you got him a, a really neat Christmas gift, right? I did, yes. What was that? Can you talk about that and why that was chosen? I got him an Alexander the Great lifetime issue. And it's something that he said he'd always really wanted. So I went to the store and I honestly spent probably an hour looking through all of the lifetime issues, just making, getting the prettiest one. And what's really cool is it has a B on it. And that's the issue that was made in Babylon. And it's very rare. Very neat. So coins as gifts and and jewelry, that's not something you can just go to any old jewelry store. I mean, every kiss begins with K, but (laughs) (laughs) Alex, walk us through how you found this coin, you know, because you're down in Florida and you had to search far and wide to get this. So I searched all the normal locations. Um, I started with the bullion websites, um, like JM Bullion, APMX. Um, just because I bought from them before other coins, and uh, sometimes they have foreign coins, but they didn't have any coin like this. And so I went to eBay, and there was only one of them on eBay, and I was hesitant to buy it. So I went down to Sarasota Rare Coin Gallery, where she bought the Alexander the Great coin, and I went in there, and I believe I was talking to David, and he assured me that uh, it most likely was real, and he helped me get an, an offer for it, and so that's what I did. And you uh, got the coin from a dealer in Ohio, Mark Obstalecki, of Numismatically Yours. And how soon after you got the coin was the, the date at Fleming's? As soon as I picked it up in the mail, it started burning a hole in my pocket. And it was very <laughs> it was very impromptu. We went to the gym together. And then during the gym, I was like, hey, let's go out to eat somewhere nice. It was like 530. I made the reservation for like 645 and went out to eat and had a great time. Awesome. So, Elizabeth, you've gotten this gold Russian coin for your engagement ring, or your engagement. What are you expecting when you walk down the aisle at at the end of the altar? (laughs) How do you top this? I don't know if you can. (laughs) Well, I mean, you got to have the regular ring for this, and this will just always have the special place in your heart, I guess. Of course. I love it that you buy a ring... And you're you're paying such a markup and, you know, it's, you know, that's, gosh, you know, with this, you don't have that. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I didn't go out and get the ring, because we had talked about rings before. And, you know, something that I might like for myself, she's not going to want for herself. And so we're still going to pick out rings, but it's going to be something that, you know, we both want. Whereas this was something I knew she wanted real bad. 
I would imagine regardless of what's in your collection, this would have pride of place. What other items are in your collection, Elizabeth? I have a flying scent, the eagle. Yeah. And I have a $5 Indian head. And my grandfather actually gave me a $10 gold piece. Awesome. Awesome. And those personal connection pieces are always, I've found, uh, worth far more in sentimentality and memories than any precious metal or what any dealer could pay. And that certainly seems to be the case for this Russian gold five ruble. I definitely agree. What's next on your collecting list? I don't know. I'm pretty content right now until (laughs) I see something that catches my eye. That, spoken like a true collector. Just trying to imagine how many uh, single men throughout the United States are finding themselves now with the bar rays that are going to have to uh, step it up here a little bit. So, But uh, I think it's a great idea. Congratulations. Best wishes to both of you for this. This is a great thing that's happening here and certainly a great connection with the uh, Russian coin and crime and punishment and the shared interest that you have there. It, it comes down to what really resonates with both of you. And this is something that it really does. So congratulations and best wishes and hope that all the plans moving forward work well in your way. And uh, we, we appreciate the opportunity that uh, you've given us and the chance we've had to talk to you here today. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. Appreciate the time that Elizabeth and uh, Alex spent with us here as uh, we've enjoyed hearing their story. But uh, we've got Mark Obstelecki here from Numismatically Yours, and Mark had a key role in this whole transaction here. Mark, welcome in. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Yeah, thanks for reaching out. I appreciate being here. All right. Now, here's the situation. I mean, Alex was on this hunt, but it was because you had the coin he was looking for that he was able to complete his transaction. Tell us uh, your experience. How did uh, how did you get the coin and how did you uh, get connected with Alex? Yeah, so actually, um, the coin is a piece that I, I have been sort of watching at a, a local show for a while now. Um, there's a, a show down in Green Hills, which is outside of Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, that I attend fairly regularly. And and there's a, a dealer there uh, that's actually local to the area um, here. And, and he's had this uh, uh, Russian piece, this uh, five ruble gold piece for a while. And, and every month I would try to buy it from him and, and try to get sort of a, a fair price. Um, just lately, I've known that uh, foreign coins have been very popular. I'm typically uh, focused on sort of U.S. coins, but I like to dabble in things that are sort of not seen every day or, or things that I don't know too well because then it forces me to sort of learn about them. So uh, eventually, I was able to buy it from him, and and uh, the best place to sell pieces like that, uh, from my perspective, is is eBay, just because it's a fairly uh, large sort of marketplace, and you got a lot of buyers, both you know nationally and globally as well. Um, so I posted it on there, and, and I that's when I got the message from uh, Alex, um, and it kind of went from there. Okay, so how long have you been uh, selling coins on eBay? A long time, probably. Six or seven years, at least, yeah. Yeah, so you find it then as a reliable source for customers, obviously, and it's not just a pandemic-related thing. Uh, the pandemic has a, a part to it, a component as well. But but yeah, uh, I'm I'm sort of a, a part-time coin dealer, I would say, that it's not my primary, primary job. So I have a, I've got a nine-to-five outside of Numismatically Yours. But, but at least, you know, the online uh, portion of the business, it allows me to kind of 
you know, post my items for sale and kind of step away and, and then sort of wait for the, uh, you know, the customers naturally to gravitate towards it. So it's, it's sort of more passive uh, role for me. But but I would say that in the last four months, there has been sort of a surge in online sales, at least that I've seen. And, and I think that's directly related to the pandemic. So going back to Alex's coin situation, when did you find out this was not just a usual transaction for somebody filling a need to fill an album or something along that line? When did you learn the full story? Yeah, so Alex, uh, he sent me an, an offer on eBay for the piece. And uh, oftentimes with the offers, the the potential buyers are able to add a note into the, the offer as well. And, and Alex left a note saying that, his uh, uh, future fiance. There was a Russian author. I don't remember his name that that she really loved, and, and there was a correlation to the date. I believe it was 1866, and he would really love to this Russian gold piece and, and use it as part of his uh, proposal for uh, you know a, a potential fiance. Um, so uh, oftentimes I get messages, you know, from from eBay prospective eBay buyers and. And some folks just want to kind of beat you up on price. You know, they'll, they'll tell you what the bad things are about the coin. But uh, at least, you know, seeing Alex's message, I, I thought that it was very genuine. And, and I was, you know, I, I believe the story and, and I wanted to help. So I like, gave him my best price up front on the piece. And, and luckily he was able to make it work. And now he has the coin. And I guess it all worked out for him. Yeah, it seems to have worked out that way anyway. Have you ever heard of any such thing like this uh, happening that uh, somebody has used it for uh, used a coin for a purpose like that? No, this this is a, a unique scenario, at least from my perspective. So, uh, first time that that I've seen it, but I was happy to be a part of it. Awesome. awesome. So you say you're only a part time dealer here. You got a full time job here. How much of your time do you have to spend in maintaining an eBay type store? I would say it's probably kind of a a ten to twenty hour per week kind of part time job. More recently, I. I decided to uh, hire a student intern. So I've had uh, an intern now for, I believe, about four months. And he's a local high school kid that just wrapped up his senior year and he's going to college next year. But I've sort of been able to shift a lot of my responsibilities in terms of photography and, and drafting eBay listings with a, a student and at the same time give him a, you know, his first job and, and teach him some basic skills you know, that he'll use throughout his career as he transitions to future jobs as well. How did you get involved in uh, numismatics? I was just a collector, I think, naturally. So sometimes I call it a disease. Um, you know, throughout my life, I've, I've tried to get some friends interested in coin collecting. And I would say 99% of the time, it's not successful. So it's one of those things that either you kind of are born with or, or you don't have the urging or the, or the calling to be a numismatist. So my family didn't collect. Nobody in the family collected. So Somehow I just uh, ended up picking through my parents' change. Used to be able to find things like wheat cents, and it had pennies, and, and oftentimes like a mercury dime or something. And this was, you know, twenty plus years ago, and that's just how I got started. You mentioned that you got this particular coin that Alex was in the market for by visiting a regional coin show right here. Where do you find most of your coins for your eBay store? Do you source them through online auctions or do you go to shows or do you uh, participate with other dealers? How do you get your inventory? Uh, most of it's through shows. So I, I visit um, uh, certain shows that are kind of monthly shows in the region. Um, there are also a certain coin dealers that I will, uh, you know, buy, sell, and trade with as well that are within, you know, say half an hour, an hour driving distance. So but most of it, I would say 90% of the coins come from local shows. Well, we've got to give you a chance to plug your store here. So uh, what what is the location where Alex was able to find the, the coin? 
so that was on eBay. So my eBay store is NY Coin Shop. So I used to be up in New York State. So it's it's there for both uh, New York and also numismatically yours. But now I'm in Yellow Springs, Ohio. Uh, so NY Coin Shop is just numismatically yours Coin Shop, uh, and you can find me on eBay. I also have a Facebook page if you want to check us out there as well. All right. Mark, really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today and be a part of our Coin World podcast. Wish you well, and uh, thanks once again. We appreciate you being here. Yeah, thanks for the invite. Thanks for your time. That was our interview with Alex Harris and Elizabeth Dittman and Mark Obstalacki, the dealer at the center of the 1866 gold five-ruble coin that was used by Alex to propose to Elizabeth. What a neat story. What a fun uh, thing. Uh, Maybe you will get inspired by that if you are not yet hitched. If uh, ever the chance occurs to me, maybe I will have to find something meaningful like that as well. Uh, Regardless, what a fun thing. You know, we hope you've had fun. We've said the word fun about 183 times today, but we meant them every time. You can never have too much fun. Just All I want to do is yeah. have some fun. Yeah. Uh, Cheryl Crow's my muse, so go ahead. Anyway. And, you know, chasing dragons with plastic swords. That's my favorite line right there. Has nothing to do with nothing, though. So... Congratulations to Alex and Elizabeth, uh, and thank you, Mark, for being on the uh, podcast with us. We hope everyone has enjoyed what we've had presented for you here today, and we look forward to doing our part to continue the educational aspect of uh, things. And by the way, while we're at it here in the latest issue of Coin World, you may want to be on the lookout because I understand that the half dollar is making a return. So check your change. Maybe instead of getting to Washington crossing the Delaware quarters, you're going to see the elusive half dollar real soon. The one never knows, but exciting times for sure. Until next week, happy collecting. Thank you for listening to the Coin World Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next week. Would you like to sponsor the Coin World podcast? If so, contact your Coin World sales representative or email Brian Hertel at b h e r t e l at amosmedia.com. The email is in the show notes as well. Affordable rates and multi-episode discounts are available. Contact us today to sponsor the Coin World podcast.